Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Veil, a crime, mystery, and conspiracy podcast. Today, we are going to be discussing Dennis Rader, also known as BTK, meaning bind, torture, and kill. In this episode, there will be mentions of sexual violence, torture, violence against children, and murder, so if you're sensitive to these topics, please proceed with caution. Now, let's go beyond the veil. Pittsburgh, Kansas on March the 9th, 1945, but was raised in Wichita, Kansas, the same place he would carry out his heinous acts years later. Dennis was the oldest of four boys born to William and Dorothy Rader. Rader grew up in what was basically a nuclear family. His father could be considered strict, but not abusive. Rader was considered a good kid. He was in the Scouts and was not alienated in school like most killers. In fact, Rader could have been considered by his family as a perfect child. However, Raider's behaviour began to become strange and sadistic as he hit puberty. At first, Raider only looked at nude magazines. Although, as his fantasies and desires grew, Raider began his obsession with pain and bondage. He began to cut out pictures of women from his porn magazine and began drawing ropes and gags on them. He would then stick them on little index cards and carry them round with him. How did no one notice? It's a valid question. Like, imagine you're in school. And you just you see this kid next to you. He's got a bunch of cards in his pockets, and it's just <laughs> pictures of women <laughs> just tied up. <laughs> he bends over, they fall out his pocket. How's he explaining that? Oh, oh yeah, sorry, sorry, you dropped these. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in a rom com when a girl drops her books and the guy opens picks them up. <laughs> sorry, you dro- you dropped your fucking Except the other weird screaming. Oh, just gets reported. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know why we've called you here today? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how that meeting would have gone. Oh, in the head teacher's office. Raider would also become a peeping Tom, staring into windows and even stealing women's underwear, something he would continue to do for the rest of his life. How do you not notice that? If, if, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> if, you're, if you're in the intimate making love, and how do you not notice someone just looking through your window and then coming and stealing your knickers? <laughs> People should notice if just a pair of their pants. Do you not close your windows, like your curtains as well? Yeah, but this but, is this is what like the the fifties, sixties or the fifties. But like... still, why why are people leaving Americans, man? Why why are you leaving <laughs> your windows open while you're clarting? <laughs> Furthermore, Raider began to get sexually aroused by animals getting tortured or killed. This would lead to Raider hanging a cat and a dog. We often see animal abuse with serial killers, along with a few other signs in their childhood. After graduating from a local high school, Raider enrolled in Kansas Wesleyan College in 1965. However, he would drop out shortly after. In 1966, when Raider was 21 years old, he joined the US Air Force he would stay in for four years. Raider's main duty in the Air Force was the installation of antenna equipment. During his time there, he achieved the rank of sergeant. 
A weird thing I found is that one of his former associates from the Air Force said Dennis was the type of person to just sort of blend in. Which is really weird because it's like, he's such an odd dog. <laughs> and the yeah. fact that he just had this ability to blend in. I I'm... mean, when you look at most serial killers, let's say like Ted Bundy, like yeah. he was known for being able to blend in. It's sort of their superpower. If you will. <laughs> Their strange superpower. Yeah. Most people want, like, invisibility or the ability to fight. I just want to blend in. <laughs> I just want to be normal. <laughs> On May 22nd, 1971, after leaving the Air Force, returning to Wichita, and at the age of 26 year old, Dennis Rader married Paula Dietz. However, in 1974, Rader suddenly and unexpectedly changed from a respectable, upright citizen to a brutal murderer. While in the Air Force, he claimed to have drawn pictures of his fantasies. He would then burn them when he moved bases. Rader had also claimed he had visited prostitutes, but most, if not all, were too scared of him and didn't want to carry out his strange fantasies. Fair enough. I don't really blame them. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be tied up by Dennis Rader. Not the most attractive <laughs> man, is he? <laughs> Ignore the fact that he's a complete psychopath. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is the bad side to it. <laughs> Brilliant. This was now not enough for Raider. And on January 15th, 1974, Dennis Raider carried out his first attack. We are not sure what set Raider off. To take such a leap from drawing straight to murder, it can... Confu- maybe he was just really bored. Maybe. Maybe he was just really bored. M- maybe, maybe it was just bants. Maybe it was a dare. Yeah. I, I don't know, like... I don't see how you'd go from, oh yeah, let me draw some kinky pictures, just, uh, I'm going to murder a whole family. It is Spoilers. odd. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. No, I mean, it is weird, like, normally they start small and then they realise they're, like, you know, MO and they, like, get it's, more comfortable. It's like, it's not even just a killing of one person. No, it's, it's a whole family. It's straight to a family. And it's which not... It's, it's, it's his biggest. It's, it's also his... the only time he kills a man, hmm. and the only time he kills... A young boy and a young girl. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. This confuses and baffles experts because this first instance of violence was so horrific and unexpected. Dennis Raider's first victims were unusual and as unlike typical serial killers, Raider's first victims were a whole family, the Otero family. Raider's first attack can be seen as ambiguous, as firstly it was on a whole family, but also took place in the morning, as the children were preparing and leaving for school, and the family also had a dog, whose panic could potentially alert neighbours. Raider cut the phone lines and snuck into the Otero's garage and waited for an opportunity, and then a short time, after 30am, the Otero's youngest son Joseph Jr. exited the house to leave for school, when Dennis, armed with a knife and pistol, forced the child back inside and confronted Joseph Senior, age 38, Julie, the mum, age 35, and Josephine, the daughter, aged 11. I feel bad for that kid. He was just on his way to school. And so, on on literally probably his front garden, this guy grabs him and is like, get back in your gap, I've got a gun and a knife. I mean, this is the thing. Imagine if 
you were late for school one day and your mum was like, you know, one day you're going to regret being late. It's going to bite you in the ass. And then you leave your house late for school and this grown ass man grabs you with a knife. And now your whole family's dead. Yeah. Um, an actual fun fact, Raider didn't actually anticipate for the father to be home. He thought it'd just be the mother and the two kids. I suppose that could explain why it's the only instance of him why killing, it's the only instance of a killing man. a guy. Yeah. Well, we've, we've cracked it. <laughs> <laughs> to keep his victims from trying to fight or get help, Raider informed them that it was a robbery and if they listened to what he said, no one would be harmed. Raider instructed for the dog to be put outside and Joseph complied. Then after they allowed themselves to be taken into the bedroom and tied up, this would be a fatal mistake. Raider killed the Otero family through strangulation. He would do this with a piece of rope or a plastic bag. He would sometimes allow them to catch their breath before continuing to strangle them and kill them. The Otero's bodies were found by the older children when they returned home from school later that day. At first they only found their parents' bodies, but after calling the police, the police found the two younger siblings. Josephine, the daughter, would be found hanging in the basement and although no victims were sexually assaulted, Raider's semen was found at the scene. At this time, though, the police didn't know it belonged to him, obviously, no. or it'd be a very short well, not being crime funny, scene. Not being funny, but who did they think it belonged to? They didn't. It was just unidentified because oh, okay. he had not committed a crime, so they didn't have his DNA. Also, I think at the time it was that they didn't have like advanced... Yeah, and It wasn't technology. advanced enough to actually figure it out. The way Raider killed the Otero family would become the basis for his career. He would bind, torture, and then kill. With little clues at the time, the Otero's murder confused the police, as there was no sign of a struggle or that it was a robbery, besides from Joseph Otero's watch being missing. However, it would not be long until Raider struck again. On April 4th, 1974, Raider would strike again, targeting 21-year-old Catherine Bryant. Raider broke into her home while Bright wasn't there and patiently waited for her to return. When Catherine arrived back with her younger brother Kevin, they were greeted by Raider there with a gun. He once more pretended to be a robber to calm his victims, then made Kevin tie up his sister while he was at gunpoint. Then Raider took Kevin into the bedroom where he tied and gagged him. However, when Raider began to strangle him, Kevin fought back, which led to Raider shooting him and leaving the room, shortly after returning to shoot him again. That's the thing I don't get with the Oteros. There is no, like, scuffle. Yet there's four of them. Yeah, but this is a, a dad and a mum. They're True. not going to want to cause problems because they want to kill their kids. What I don't get about this is, why did he return? He really said... He really wanted to <laughs> confirm really... the kill, but he didn't even check that he was dead. That's it's the thing. Extra, he, he returned to shoot him again and then didn't even check that the guy was dead. As Ray didn't check if Kevin was dead... He was able to escape the house and find two civilians. They took him to a hospital and rang the police. You see, that's weird. Like, if he didn't go back, if he went back and checked that this guy was dead, instead of just coming back and (laughs) shooting him again, he, like, because he nearly got caught in this instance. Yeah, yeah, this was, like, his first massive mistake, really. Yeah. and One of many. As well, he didn't wear a mask during this. So leaving one of these people alive is a really big problem for him. Although it doesn't lead necessarily to anything, which is weird, mm. it it's still a massive mistake on his end. I just think it's really embarrassing that he went back to shoot him again and just didn't manage to kill him off. Yeah. Like he where d- is where is he shooting him on the toe? <laughs> One shot was to the head, to be fair. So he like actually firmed it. Kevin is built diff. Kevin got shot in the head. I don't know where the other shot was, but I think the first shot was in the head. Respect to Kevin. Respect. 
When police arrived, they found Catherine bruised and battered, but still alive. She had been stabbed three times and strangled. Unfortunately, after being taken to hospital, she passed away. Police originally did not connect the first two cases. However, since Rayla didn't wear a mask this time, Kevin was able to give police a description, but this led nowhere. In fact, the only reason that she was actually stabbed is because of the fact that Kevin fought back pissed off Rayla. But this is why the Otero family wouldn't have fought back. Yeah. Because they were just protecting their kids. But if they actually had, they probably would have managed it, because this is a grown-ass man and a grown-ass woman. To be fair, he did have a knife and a gun, so maybe I do see why in both instances. In October 1974, the police arrest three men on suspicion of the Otero killings. This enrages Raider, as he didn't want others taking credit for his work, so Raider decided to write a letter to the Wichita Eagle, a newspaper at the time. He hides the letter in a book at the Wichita Public Library and then rings up and leaves a tip about the letter, so it's found. Bit extra, if you ask me. But yeah, I fine. mean, like, why don't you just send it to them? I know. <laughs> like, why, why are you going to be like, oh yeah, I'll put it in a book? <laughs> like, it's just kind of embarrassing. I know. He's, he's such an attention seeker, it's different. Fucking attention whore. <laughs> in the letter, Raider anonymously claimed credit for the Otero's murder, using only facts the killer and police would know. The letter contained a lot of bad grammar and spelling with simple words, an attempt by Raider to throw police off any trail that would lead to him. The police originally asked if the Wichita Eagle not to publish the letter, however, a competing paper got the letter and were able to publish it themselves. Most importantly in this letter, Raider established his alias, BTK. He told the police the way that they will know if he committed the crime is he will bind them, torture them, and then kill them. Surprisingly in the letter, Raider didn't actually take credit for Catherine Bright's murder, only the Oteros. After this, BTK went quiet for a while, until 1977. During this period where he didn't kill, Raider had a job with a security company, installing security systems on houses. Very clever. I don't know if he chose this job so he could learn to get into houses, or but, if it was just a happy coincidence for him that like he knew how it worked. I feel like you find that quite often with serial killers. They have jobs that really convenience them, and whether that is chosen by them purposely, or if it's just a part of their look. Because a lot of these guys are very lucky. Because they are intelligent people. Mm. But they are stupid in the way that they make these very easy mistakes that always get them found out. Yes, yeah. It's to do with the compulsion, isn't it? I mean, they're very opportunistic people normally. On March 17th, 1977, he attacked 26-year-old Shirley Vane. Raider had followed home Shirley's five-year-old son and forced his way into the house. Hold on. This five-year-old boy is walking home on his own. And this guy just goes, you know what? I'm going to follow him. I know I know. this is like the 70s. He's going to catch a case. But this is a five-year-old. Who is sending their five-year-old child home on their own? Uh, the thing is, I don't know if it was if the five-year-old was with the mother or not. Oh, yeah. Okay. She was probably walking him home and Raider was like... Because this is what he did. He... He would drive around, and when he saw people, he'd be like, I'm going to kill them. This Look. is why I let never leave my house. Yeah, valid. It's just going to save me. <laughs> this is why I'm wary of every car that <laughs> drives past. <laughs> be paranoid, guys. Exactly. This is what it tells us. Raider locked her three children in the bathroom and proceeded to torture and kill Shirley. Raider had promised not to harm the children. However, decades later, after he was caught, he admitted he intended to kill them, but had to leave the scene before he had chance. Police found Shirley on the bed, bound at the hands and feet, with a plastic bag over her head and a rope around her neck. That's I, quite sad, really, because, like, obviously it's sad anyway, but I mean, it's sad in the way that a husband isn't mentioned, so I don't know if they were separated or he was dead. 
But these are just three children who might not have any parents now. Yeah, I mean, like, literally good thing he had to leave. Um, because, again, they would be dead. I suppose when you consider past cases when he has killed children, maybe he did want to, and it just happened that as time went on, there I think he, a chance. he would have wanted to. But, again, mm. as he said, he didn't get a chance. I suppose it's easier to control children. Yeah. At the end of the day. And, I mean, wipes. the whole reason that he said he wouldn't harm these children is so she would comply. Yes, yeah, of course. It's the whole. It's the same thing with the, the whole robbery. Um, oh, it's just a robbery, so people will comply, they'll let him do what he wants, because that's what he gets off on, sort of. He enjoys them doing what he wants, but at the same time, not being comfortable about it. Yes, yeah. From the start, the police suspected this was the work of BTK, as it was just like the Oteros. It was in broad daylight, clearly premeditated, and the phone lines were cut. BTK would kill again in 1977 on December the 8th. 25-year-old Nancy Fox. Raider had stalked Fox for a while, and once again cuts the phone lines and waits for her inside the house. Raider ties her up and strangles her with a belt. Raider in fact called the police to report the murder, this might have been because it was different to his other crimes, as it happened at night and he had to break a window to gain access to her house. In January 1978, Raider would send another letter to the press, bragging about the murder and saying that he would do it again. In this letter, he also claimed to have killed seven people, taking credit for Catherine Bright's murder, but not mentioning her by name. Which is like, it's like a kind of a subtle brag. He's like, you, you don't know who I killed, but I've, but killed, I've killed someone else. <laughs> I'm more experienced than you think. This is confusing, though. Seven pe- is it seven people at this point? Well, it'd be, so the four are terrors. Catherine Bright. That's six, because it's Shirley. So that's six. BTK then went silent for around eight years. However, there was an incident involving a lady called Anna Williams, as on the 28th of April, 1979, he broke into her house to kill her. However, he got tired of waiting and gave up. He took a scarf and later sent it back with a note telling her to be glad she wasn't there. Because he was, in fact. That's what it said. Be glad you weren't here because I was. And as well, this oh, that goes... that would scare the crap out of me. Yeah, you'd I would move. Yeah, I would oh, move house. You would move. Literally straight away. I would move country. <laughs> I would be out of there. I'd be like, I'm not here anymore. But as well, this goes back to the whole thing where he would premeditatively stalk the victims. Like, he... Th- the whole story behind this is that he saw Anna on the street and was like, I'm going to kill her. And then he mm. broke into her apartment, waited. But because she, I think it was like a traffic problem, she got home late. So she like basically just missed him. Like she must feel like the luckiest person ever. I just think it's kind of funny that he just sort of sat there for a bit. And like what was going through his head? Was he like, oh, bloody hell. Like, like, I'm a bit fucking bored now. It's really <laughs> annoying. Like I'm going to go home and have some ice cream. Try I don't know. about it. <laughs> I didn't get to kill this woman I wanted to. <laughs> Look at his wife, he's like, where have you been? And he's like... Work. <laughs> it is fucking time. <laughs> where have you been? I always see your friend. It's 3am in the bloody morning, Dan. <laughs> BTK's inactive period, the local police call in the FBI and they create a task force to find BTK called Ghostbusters. Who are you going to go? <laughs> Ghostbusters! <laughs> 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 
Have but you got the lyrics up? When did right the film now? come out? The question is, when did the I film come know, out? I don't know, but if it... because if it was if it was before, that's the funniest thing ever. Cam, have you got the lyrics up? I don't. It came out in 1984, so I'm. This is before, I think, or maybe maybe it was just after. That would be so funny. They just watched and they're like, you know what? Um, this is similar to our situation. <laughs> they're fighting ghosts we're fighting but that weird... came out in 84 yeah I would say same time around the same time so they see this movie and they're thinking they're fighting ghosts we're fighting a weird sexual predator wonder if maybe, same thing. maybe the movie's named after it I I really don't think it would be <laughs> <laughs> oh yes I hope the, the, the I BTK hope, like, what's his name, what's his name? like the marshmallow man oh yeah the st- was it like state puff Marshmallow? Yeah, that. That. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's not based off PTK. <laughs> <laughs> I see a resemblance. <laughs> Nothing is gained by this. The police believe the reason for his inactivity was either he went to jail for another crime, he was dead, or was unable to commit the crime due to disability, or even that he had moved away from the area. Because of this belief, the Ghostbusters looked at men who had recently left the area and found over 600 suspects. Why is everyone leaving? It's Wichita. Like, tell me what, <laughs> you want to stay in a place called Wichita. <laughs> because I'm going to Wichita. <laughs> this is just a singing podcast now. No, I fuck, mean, fuck the true crime. I mean... Yeah, but how is 600 men... I, surely it can't be that big of a town. Have 600 men leave. Um, what's the but to be fair, if you think about it, if his last crime was committed in 79, and this is like... 84-ish. Actually, it's like eight years, isn't it? Yeah, so to be fair, that's quite a long amount of time. Okay, well, the current population of Wichita is 390,566. That's still a lot of people, though, to leave, isn't it? And yeah. But, I mean, I guess over it would eight be years, over eight I guess, years. what's like 600 divided by eight? <laughs> Under 100. <laughs> <laughs> a little like more than 50. 100 per year probably isn't actually that many when you think about it. Yeah, to be fair. Suspects were tracked by the task force, but none could be connected with the BTK murders. After eight years, he killed again. On the 27th of April, 1985, this time, Raider changed his victimology and attacked his 53-year-old neighbour, Maureen Hedge. Why was he going for, like, a a fully grown-ass woman? Like, what did this 53-year-old do to him? I don't know, but obviously, like, he changed his victimology, but it's so dangerous to go to someone that lives next door to you i know and as well like what what did she do like not mow her grass or some shit and he to was, be fair though he just got pissed obviously because um raider i think at this time raider is already like a community guideline enforcer it was said that he constantly picked fights with his neighbors about the height of their grass so i feel like maybe she didn't mow her grass enough get a line and he was like i'm so done or maybe like she was she was just throwing sashes in like the it's evening. Fifty three year old. He was trying to sleep and she was just Marine. partying. Marine was, was baseline Ma- junkie. <laughs> <laughs> he murdered her by strangulation, then took her body to a church, then binded her and arranged her body into various demeaning sexual positions. How how did he get in a church with the whole dead body? And no it one might noticed. have been the church he worked at. Oh, true, because he was obviously um, like, a congregational like leader. Yeah, which is really weird, but still, like, there would have been some... I mean, I guess he did strangle her, so there wouldn't have been blood. True. But there surely there must have been traces of a guy coming in in the middle of the night, 
posing a body in bed. Like, was there not security cameras? Was there not just some, like, vicar who just stayed late and just, like, walked out into the church and was like, what in the Satan? Hi, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis then proceeded to dump her body about seven miles away in a ditch. Just disrespectful, really. Isn't it? <laughs> it's really fucking disrespectful. He couldn't even be asked to dig her a grave. He, that's the thing, he wanted the body to be found, clearly. Yeah, well, he was an attention whore. It's been, like, you know, we've gone over this. Similar to the Atero's murder, Raider also took trophies from Marine. This wasn't initially connected to BTK because the MO wasn't the same, and it was a few miles out of the Wichita area, unlike the others. A year later, on the 16th of September, 1986, Dennis murders 28-year-old Vicky Wergley while she was at home with her two-year-old son. This time, after stalking Vicky, he committed her murder the usual way. After Raider killed Vicky, he left her two-year-old son in the house with her dead body. Shortly after her husband arrived home for lunch, he discovers his wife's body and calls the police. That must be so fucking traumatising for that kid. Like, they weren't in the same room, but still, he must have heard his mum... Can you remember anything from when you were two, though? True, but unless it, was like it wasn't that traumatising. <laughs> like, unless he was like some super child, he's not going to be like, yeah, I clearly... He's probably remember. just playing Lego in the other room. <laughs> this case was also not initially tied to BTK. They believed it was a domestic homicide and her husband was in question. The DNA from the scene proved him innocent and the case went cold. Raider then disappears for a while and there was no contact with the police or media. He was once more inactive for around five years. BTK's final known murder took place on the 19th of January 1991. His final victim was 62-year-old Dolores E. Davis, whom he had murdered whilst on a Cub Scout camp. It's like... <laughs> imagine it being like, I don't know, I don't, it doesn't, we don't know what time he left. But imagine like, I don't know, it's well, like 10pm. The Cub Scouts are all in bed and one of them's like, oh, I need to go speak to Mr. Raider. Like, so, you know, he gets out of his tent, he goes to speak to Mr. Raider and he's not there and he's like, hmm, where has this man gone? Meanwhile, Dennis is off murdering a 62-year-old woman, also 62. No, they just see him sneaking out and like, where are you going? <laughs> Why, where are you going? Where are you off? Why, oh, mind your business. <laughs> <laughs> or he comes back covered in blood and they're like, where you been? But it's so weird because I imagine like some, <laughs> some some cat like leaders would like go sneak a drink. He's like, I'm having withdrawal, gotta go sneak a murder. <laughs> this murder fitted Dennis's usual MO. He then dumped her body in a similar manner to Marines far away. The police found it difficult to connect this case to any, besides from Marines, as it was in a similar manner. Oddly this time, Dennis returned to the site where the body was and took Polaroids whilst wearing a female mask. Bit strange. I don't know why he felt the need... Well, ignore the Polaroids thing, that's quite normal. I don't know why he felt the need to wear a wear female a mask. mask. Yeah. Once again, Raider disappeared. Raider roams the streets, masquerading as a normal husband and father. He serves as a congregational leader in his local church and remains a Boy Scout leader whilst looking after his son and daughter. In January 2004, near the 30th anniversary of the Otero family murders, the Wichita Eagle releases a story in commemoration that triggers Raider into contacting the media once again. He finds out that someone is intending to write a book and gets frustrated because he wishes to tell his story over someone else. It was important to Dennis that he received credit for his actions, and him only. 
Cam is currently taking selfies beside me. <laughs> <laughs> it's extremely distracting. <laughs> I'm just doing a hot girl shit. <laughs> Brilliant. Raider wrote to the paper as BTK and included photos from the murder scene of Vicky Weagerly along with their driver's licence, which was obviously proof that it was him and not a poser. I mean, there's, there's no... You can't get better proof than just sending them the, her ID. Well, yeah, I mean... I mean, you could have sent her, like, part of her... He begins to leave items in obscure places called hidey holes. That is, like, the... He has all these weird names for things. Like, he it says that what drives him to kill. Factor X. This guy thinks he's in some sort of, like, I've, graphic I novel. I mean, not being funny, but it's a bit too close to the, the fucking X-Men. Was this man, like... Yeah. Was he a little nerd? Was he reading <laughs> Marvel in the corner? Well, I mean, he said when he killed, it was the Minotaur. <laughs> Bro loved his mythology. Yeah. It's almost like he was just trying to disassociate from what he was doing. Well, yeah, that would psychology be it. Psycho- psychologically be it. Um, <laughs> there was also a really weird name that he had for when he, like, killed his victims. I can't remember it. Murder. It was, like, something fun time. It's so weird. He begins to leave items in obscure places called hidey holes to aid his taunting police. As a part of his sick game, BTK leaves two cereal boxes. The first found leading investigators to one hidden at a local Home Depot. I'd like to just talk about the fact that he used cereal boxes. What a funny guy. Like, Bant. why Why was he Why was he spitting banter? I want to know what cereal boxes he used. I, he... I think it was cornflakes. I think they were cornflakes. I should have used something more elite like Rice Krispies. Yeah, to be fair. B- bit of a dead one. He could have like, used Tony the Tiger. That he does sort of give off cornflakes vibes, though. I feel like uh, he would be a cornflake a- Average cornflake, yeah. Yeah, I feel like he'd be... I'm a cornflake eater. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're trying to confess. This, this isn't a confession. <laughs> I feel like he would have been a cornflake guy. As a result of this, police were able to view blurry footage of what would be identified as a Jeep Cherokee, eventually identified as church-owned. So, like, this car is literally from the church that he worked at, and he just rocked up in it to, like... He could have walked, at least. This is what I was talking about earlier when I was, like, first of many mistakes. Like, he made so many mistakes for no reason. But as well, I feel like in his mind, and in a lot of serial killers' mind, they're not mistakes. They're like, oh, well, they're not going to catch me, so it doesn't matter. Well, they believe they're invincible. I mean, I do understand why he felt that. He got away with it for a long time, then he just had lived a normal life for a bit. To be fair, he did get away with it for like 30 years, which is like, it's a brag. Eventually, Raider became more paranoid and lessened communications to only through ads in the newspaper. And can I just say, right, surely they know who's purchasing ads. Surely they would have had records. Yeah. I don't get this. How is this not easy to find this dude? He's so dumb. I've never considered that before. How, how would they not? Unless they like, he just sent a letter in with like a bunch of money and just been like, Put in paper. <laughs> Why is he now cockney? He's from Kansas. Oh, I put it in the paper. <laughs> I just imagine that's how he sounds. Put it in paper. Oh, it's a PQ. <laughs> it's a PTK killer. It's a PQ blinders, isn't it? From Birmingham. <laughs> Why are we slaughtering this accent? <laughs> I'm so sorry. We're going to offend people. I'm so sorry. When he proceeded to request sending police a floppy disk containing more information, <laughs> he asked the police <laughs> if it could be tracked. And he was like, well, you won't lie. What if they're trying to catch you? Nah, nah, they're not going to lie. Don't worry. 
Um, little spoilers. They did lie. <laughs> the police lied to Raider, reassuring him it couldn't be traced. So Raider sat the disc. What an idiot. What a moron. What a fucking... I believe these guys. It's not like they're trying to catch me or anything. Because the police can't lie. <laughs> the police can't lie, guys. <laughs> when the IT expert present goes through the floppy disk, he finds a Word document file named testa.rtf, which contained the name Dennis and Christ Lutheran Church. This file had been deleted by Radio, but was still on the floppy disk because apparently he had no IT skills at all. Well, I mean, he is... What, he was born in 1945? Yeah, true. How old would he have been here, like... This is um, 2004, 2005, so about... 2004, he would be... Like 60. Yeah, that's actually kind of fair enough, really. Isn't it? After researching his church, the police found only one man under that name, Dennis Raider. Dennis Da-da-da. the Menace Raider? <laughs> Did you just say Dennis the Menace Raider? <laughs> this is like middle name. <laughs> Using this information, they found his address and noted the Jeep Cherokee parked in Dennis's drive. Despite this, the police still don't have enough evidence to demand a DNA sample from Raider, so they go to a local hospital and obtain DNA from a recent test his daughter did. I don't understand how that wouldn't have been enough evidence. Yeah. Like, he literally if I watch this man pull up on CCTV in a Jeep, then I see said Jeep on his drive, I get a floppy disk from a serial killer, and this it man's has name, his name is on, on it. it. How is that not enough evidence? Also... He's, he's been think, caught in 4K. I think from memory... Dennis knew that the police were there, and he knew that they couldn't come in, mm. and then they had to drive away. So this man was probably in his house laughing. Like, <laughs> yeah, but he was, he was still probably shitting it. He should have just dipped. Yeah, that's what I'd do. The DNA match found was extremely close, and the police finally had enough information to move in on Raider. Raider is taken into custody and arrested, and eventually, on the 10th of March 2005, He's charged with 10 murders after rigorous investigation that lasted almost 34 hours. This man he spoke had for 34 hours. Bit of a narcissist. I have been if you speaking for about half an hour and my voice is going. Yeah, like, I, I want to die <laughs> after speaking for, for two seconds, <laughs> let alone 34 minutes. I, at that point, I, as a police officer, I would have just given up if he hadn't confessed. If he was just waffling for 34 <laughs> hours straight, I would have been like, you're just innocent, still out. <laughs> I mean, they rotated in, uh, in interrogators, didn't they? Like the fact that I mean, they had you to, sort of have to after thirty-four the hours. The fact that this man spoke for so long that they had to rotate, like put on a schedule. <laughs> oh, it's your turn now. Yeah, Get I, in there. I'm gonna go have a nap. It's your turn. It's actually break now for me. <laughs> in June, Dennis changes his plea to guilty and provides those present at his public hearing with extreme details about his murder, showing zero remorse. BTK receives 10 consecutive life sentences, a total of 175 years, and still remains in solitary confinement where he will stay for the rest of his life. that he got so many life sentences because I don't think this man is going to live longer than 175 years more. Yeah, something tells me. Um, I mean, especially looking at the state of the guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not making it. I mean, yeah. he is still alive. Um, he is, yes. How old is he now? So, what, 1945? 
Take it to 25 and then take three. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> maths. I actually am so bad at maths. Hold on. He'd be 77, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, that's I'm trying to right. agree because I don't want to work it out. <laughs> you can use a walking around prison with a walker. <laughs> well, he's in solitary confinement. Which is, it's good because one, he's not, people aren't coming up to him and being like, oh my God, are you BTK? And like fueling his... Egotism. Yeah, his narcissism, narcissistic prick. It's just really odd for me to think that if the Wichita Eagle hadn't published that message in 2004, we wouldn't know who he was. Yeah, if he wasn't narcissistic and didn't have this need just to take credit, then we would probably not know the name Dennis Rader. It would just be BTK. We'd be sat here... Been like, this, this is a mystery, guys. <laughs> yeah, we'd be like, this is, you know, this is unsolved. We don't know who BTK was. He'd be up there with Jack the Ripper and the Zodiac Killer. Yeah. But we do know who he is. We do, and he... he's a crusty old man. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, um, the conclusion of this podcast is that Dennis Rader is a crusty old man. And remember that. That is the message, <laughs> the meaning, and the purpose.